Yeah. Anyway, let's stop talking about Randy Newman. Should we start the podcast? Yeah, let's let's do that. Exegesis. Welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, the podcast where we examine the entire Steely Dan discography song by song, a format that is far less original than we first thought. I'm your host, Ollie Piper, and my masochist in residence slash co-host is Mr. Andrew Seater. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Ollie. How you doing? Today we're looking at track five on Steely Dan's debut album, Can't Buy a Thrill, and the track is called Only a Fool Would See That. But before we get into the delicious song facts, can you tell me, Andrew, what are you drinking? Well, last episode, uh, Ollie, you... I don't. I was use exasperated. The, yeah, I, was, I, I don't use the word sneer lightly, but you, uh, you railroaded I, me. Well, I railroaded uh, both of us, to be fair. Yeah. Because yeah. we've got... A, we've, We've implemented this segment about what are you drinking as if every time. And really, it's just to it's just to promote some kind of healthy, polite, well, not necessarily polite, but healthy chatter yeah. to get us going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, predicated on that is the idea that we must be some, drinking something different every time. <laughs> yeah. So that the chatter moves in different directions. And sure. every time, every time you've come in drinking some local ale. Well, I think episode... Two, I brought a Bacardi and like a rum, a Bacardi rum and coke. But yes, I have been very ale based. So anyway, I decided because I have no backbone, um, I felt publicly humiliated by you, and I thought, well, I'm going to need, I'm going to need to vary my drink choices. So this week, I am drinking a lovely glass of Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Um, uh, and listeners. I I asked uh, Andrew had told me before the podcast that he he'd brought something special, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was <laughs> I was really thinking it was going to be some like delightful fruit liqueur or something, but no. Or you were mixing yourself up in like a complicated cocktail. Absolutely no. not. No, it's a six ninety nine <laughs> bottle of prosecco from the local nicer. Um, but there's a reason for this, Ollie. Aside from your bullying, and the reason is. I'm feeling celebratory uh, this Why? evening. Well, Why ever are you feeling <laughs> celebratory? A number of things. Um, well, two things. One is that I've been doing some editing on the podcast this week, and I'm mm. feeling broadly positive about it as a project. Oh, good. Feeling quite like, you know, we're, we, we haven't, you know, hit the heights yet, but we're on the road to the heights. Well, uh, I also think it's going well, and if you and mm-hmm. I think it's going well, what 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 do the listeners matter? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. You 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 know, it's like uh, Picasso didn't paint for an audience; he painted for his mistresses. And you are my mistress, Ollie. Well, in a sense, yeah. Mm. Uh, the other reason I'm feeling celebratory is because we've got to the end of side one of the first Steely Dan record. You are yeah, you are right on the tr- choo choo train. Mm. Of my of my of my notes because this is literally what I was going to say. <laughs> oh great! Uh, so, and the third, can I just say the third reason I'm feeling oh, yeah, so go, 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 go. is because I really really like the song that we're talking about today. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if I like Steely Dan, but I know that I love this song, and I've listened to it every day this week. I mean, you've you've ruined my whole segment basically by by hitting every point that I was going to ask you about, mm-hmm. which is 
Andrew, did you realise we were halfway through? <laughs> yes, I do realise that. How do you feel? How are you feeling about Steely Dan now, you, now that you've heard one half of one <laughs> album? Mixed. Yeah, okay. F- fuck it. That was going to be like the grand thing. Right. Well, you know what they say about uh, making plans? The best laid plans are fucked up by a dickhead with a beard. And a glass of flat Prosecco because his <laughs> co-host was late to the recording. I was late because I couldn't get a microphone because my bandmate, mm-hmm. Bethany Hopkins of Balsall Heath, Birmingham, could not, did not return my microphone. So mm. I've had to improvise with a uh, knitted cactus <laughs> holding up an SM58 yeah. towards my mouth. Anyway, I'm feeling celebratory. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling slightly less good because the Prosecco has gone flat. But it occurred to me when I was waiting for you <clears throat> that um, that's quite Danish. Flat Prosecco. Flat Prosecco. You know, like, back at the back at the shack, the Prosecco is three days flat. You know, and that's a, that's a metaphor for shattered illusions and lost love. That did remind me of something. It wasn't Dan. I can't put my finger on what it was. Would you like to know what I'm drinking? Can I guess? Well, you did see a little glimpse, didn't you? Yeah. Go for it. Port. Yes. That fireside classic. Port mm. and cheese, actually. Oh, wow. So we'll have to edit out the, the cheese eating noises. Yeah. What kind of cheese have you got with you? I've got a, um, I've got a Gloucester, or a Gloucestershire, mm-hmm. with herbs. And one of my absolute favourite cheeses, which is uh, Wensleydale in Cranberry. Oh, lovely. That is very good. You've been to the co-op, haven't you? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> It's just got co-op written all over it. Yep, I have been to the co-op. May God have mercy on my soul. That reminds me, sorry, just the way you said, yes, I have been to the co-op, reminds me of a time about 10 years ago when I decided that I was going to get really, really stoned in order to uh, engender some kind of creative spurt. I thought that mm. if I, I, would, I would get stoned and then write down my thoughts and maybe get some great ideas for songs. And the next day, I just saw a piece of paper on which I had written, Tagliatelli, I have been in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Yes, I I have been to Um, (laughs) co-op. Can I tell you something which a friend of mine told me, which is of of a similar ilk, and I won't reveal his name, he uh he went on a wild mushroom adventure in mm-hmm. his um in his synth den recently mm. alone um <laughs> and wrote and and had and had some completely like out ego egoless experience mm. um during which like he wrote his thoughts down on a piece of paper he checked them checked the thoughts the next day and it said i am thirst i am darkness <laughs> That's great. Yeah, uh, but I think basically he was thirsty, but because he had lost all conception of who he was, all he could be was thirst. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's it's quite different to your experience, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It I... couldn't be more different than Tagliatelli who went in the garden. I have been in the garden. Well, look, I didn't have any kind of ego death. 
my ego was entirely intact. Yeah, it I was just, like I was just quite was a bit of a brick wall. Yeah, <laughs> well, um. my, I haven't taken many drugs in my life, but every time I have, my ego has remained <laughs> monolithic. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. been no uh, crumbling of the ego. So, only a fool would say that. Released as the B-side to the Reeling in the Years single. Mm-hmm. It was sung by Donald Fagan, with a little Spanish tag at the end, um, is Mr. Jeff Skunk Baxter. I don't know if we're pushing into lyrical territory here, but did you did you make that out? I don't know how good your Spanish is. My Spanish is um, is bad, but I did hear somebody going, eh, todo bueno corazón. Yeah, it's actually... Solamente un tonto de riesgo. Okay. No need to school me. I mean, I only did Spanish up to year nine. Well, also, that was that was probably pathetically pronounced. Mm. Um, but it's it means only a fool would say that. Ah, that's nice. And mm. just for my own, just to uh, make sure I'm in the loop, Jeff Skunk Baxter was at this time the guitarist. Yes, along with, I think, Denny Diaz was the other semi-permanent guitarist. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Skunk's the big one. Okay, and does Skunk, does he uh, make it onto the next album? Skunk makes it onto um, the first three albums and okay. then I think comes back for more, but on a on a song by song, do we need Skunky? Right, right, right. So Skunk is just waiting by the phone. To Have see we mentioned... If- at any point, if we mentioned, we may have mentioned this in the rambling first episode, but did we mention the fact that he went on to be a military weapons consultant? No, and that's really, that's put a downer on my Prosecco. That's really sad. Has it has it flattened it even more? Even more. It's essentially uh, wine now. <laughs> um, really what kind of wine. What kind of military weapons consultant Missiles, did he become? I think. Oh, skunky. Um, yeah, no, he he got involved. I think he got. I think he got weirdly, like, just he's self-taught, just really into it, and then and yeah, right. ended up getting a job. But yeah, that's... we need to make more Steely Dan fans aware that they are listening to the sound of evil. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Every Steely Dan fan is well aware of. <laughs> <laughs> the fact they're listening to the sound of evil. Um, oh, skunky! Oh, that's genuinely kind of upset me because I really liked his playing on this song. I thought it was fun. He's and a, all the he's time a he was guitarist. just yeah, but all the time he was just thinking about like uh, missile trajectories, blowing up children. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, like collateral damage. Well, oh, know, we need to. We're going to need to move on because I feel that my heart has kind of died a little bit. One day. These questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. Yeah, well, maybe this is a good time for me to admit that I've learnt this song on on the guitar. Is that to preempt your cover of it as your cover of the album um, that we're going to do in the last episode? Potentially. Mm. We'll see. We've got five more songs to go, I think. Five or six Mm -hmm. more songs to go. So maybe there'll be something even better. But I just thought it was uh, a, a charming little number, and I decided I I to said, learn the chords. I actually play. I actually learned the chords earlier as well. But I, I think mm. I, I think I said that I would donate a bollock or something if you, uh, if you didn't cover dirty work. So, mm. um, um, my, uh, I'm feeling a little icy around the underneaths um, <laughs> right now. <laughs> 
the there is a legitimate cover, as in a legi- legitimately released on a proper major mm-hmm. label album cover um, yeah. by Ivy. Oh, I don't uh, know. In 2001. Ivy. Well, Ivy is a band made, uh, cri- formed by someone from Fountains of Wayne, if you're familiar okay. with Fountains of Wayne. Uh, Fountains of Wayne, uh, my Stacey's blood runs my... cold. My b- angel is the centerfold. Angel is the centerfold. And they dance on me. No, that, that's, no, the, that's the um, Bee Gees. No, that they're they're way past um they're way past centerfold, Angel in Centerfold. I can't remember who that was, but no, mm. they did they did Stacey's mum. Yeah. Yeah, but they did a lot they did things that were a lot uh, much better than Stacey's mum, which I think they always considered a, a, an annoying novelty in their own canon. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, no, it's actually pretty good, um, the cover and they, Ivy. Ivy, yeah, they add a kind of watery guitar figure that I find pleasing. Mm, um, nice. Yeah. So well done, Ivy. Uh, you have the blessing and the approval of some nobody from Birmingham, England. So uh, I don't want to preempt the music chat, but f- I really, really like this song. And the main fly in the ointment for me is Fagan. So I would be interested to hear a really well done cover of it. So I will definitely uh, be checking out Ivy's version. I'm I'm a little bit upset by that because I was hoping this would have been like the Fagan pill. That led you into the world of infinite Fagans. And no, the world of infinite. To accept it. Yeah, I still just see one Fagan, and he's staring me out, <laughs> and he's making me uncomfortable. The monolithic sort of. Head. Yeah, yeah, like an Easter Island head. It spins but... round to look at you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, awake or asleep, absolutely. But I think I'm. I'm definitely. I would say that this evening I am as close as I have ever been to liking Steely Dan. Well, can I give you a, a quote that may make you very happy? Yeah. Have you heard of a website called somethingelsereviews.com? No, no, what's that? Isn't that well, um isn't that hang on, isn't that where they post sort of pictures of men who've had their heads chopped off in railway disasters and <laughs> like a shepherd with three balls and stuff like that. They may do. Um what they also do <sighs> Sorry, is that's song something, by that's song that's Steely Dan <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't checked out the rest of the site to be honest, so mm. I cannot speak for if they do or do not post shock shock pics. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, our friend S. Victor Aaron, I've actually given, I've actually deemed to name him <laughs> this time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, every episode so far, you've been very sort of. I don't know whether coy is the word, but maybe just evasive. You've always gone, and our friend at somethingelsereviews.com, they or he has said <laughs> yeah but you know there's such a regular feature now that i just have to kind of bite the bullet and go okay yeah this is a man who's yeah. had the same idea as us yeah i guess that's okay okay he writes really good like summations of the song that i quote every episode mm-hmm. maybe it's time to swallow my pride and just go okay something else reviews.com is a regular <laughs> feature <laughs> and the right of his s victor aaron anyway he says more than any other track from this album only a fool would say that points to the way to what the band would evolve into. Oh! Mocking lyrics, a fondness for Caribbean styles, and, of course, jazzy overtones. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, the hang on, there were three things mentioned. So there was mocking lyrics, Caribbean styles, and jazzy overtones. Okay, let me take them one by one. The mocking lyrics are the worst thing about this song. The Caribbean overtones 
are the second worst thing about this song. And the jazzy overtones are, I would say, slight. So one thing I was thinking about in the bath this afternoon is that it's interesting that... So had you said to me two months ago, what do you know about Steely Dan? I would have said they are a band who are rooted in jazz. They're kind of a fusion band. They took like mm-hmm. jazz language and then they, <clears throat> you know, uh, incorporated it into soft rock in some way. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is that this song is kind of built around a Latin kind of rhythmic world, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. kind of bossa e, but the harmony is completely vanilla. Like there is no, I'm not saying this is a criticism because I really, really like the song, but there is nothing in the harmonic language which suggests like deep roots in jazz. It sounds like the Beatles doing Bossa Nova. I agree. Can we save that for the, for the music chat? Um, because I want to cover vibe first. But but yeah, I just wanted to get a feel for whether you, you know you're being a bit of a you're being of a slip, being a slippery kind of eel here, right? Because <laughs> this, what this is saying is that this is you. You're saying you really like this song. Yeah, absolutely. I know for I know for a fact you've listened to it endlessly. Yeah. Like to a slightly concerning amount. Um, <laughs> it's true. So, but then you say, so you know, we could, I'll give you the news that oh, S. Victor Aaron, mm. in in his deep Dan wisdom, says that this is going to be this points the way to what the the band's going to become. And then you go, well, actually, all of his points I think are the worst things about the song. I hate the lyrics. I hate Caribbean styles, and, <laughs> and it's nothing jazz. As someone who studied jazz guitar, I think it's the jazzy element. Frankly, it's ridiculous. Okay, so, you I know, think where, that where... Your, well, your caricature of, of my voice and opinions is insulting. Uh, but leaving, so, leaving that to so one side... To <laughs> yeah, it's like looking into a zoomy mirror. Um what I'm saying is that this is an excellent song. It's an excellent record. I love it. It's improved my week. However, the things about it that you're saying point the way towards future Dan. S. Victor Aaron is saying. Yeah, but you're okay. But you you are deploying the opinions of S. Victor Aaron in order to coax me towards I mean, a greater appreciation that's of basically, Dan. That's basically all I do. I have to give S. Victor Aaron credit for basically <laughs> yeah. informing my entire take on every Steely Dan song, although I claim to be a Steely Dan expert of, of sorts. You see, I um, wonder whether you are S. Victor Aaron and you're trying to drive traffic oh, to your site. Oh, 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 oh. um, no, no. I mean, S. Victor Aaron is a... It sounds like a nom de plume, doesn't it? No, it, it sounds to me like an anagram of Oliver Piper. <laughs> uh Sac Sactus Rock Rock No, I can't make an I can't make an anagram of his name. Just in summation, what I'm saying is that I love this song. It's great in a in an unironic, unequivocal way. I think it's a fantastic song. But the aspects that S. Victor Aaron has pointed to as leading the way to future Dan are the things that I find least impressive about it. So that doesn't give me great hope for album two. Great. But, well, great I, song. I'm, no, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased because what would the, as we said before, what would this podcast be if it was just two Steely Dan fans? Um, it would be two Steely Dan fans talking about Steely Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. nobody wants to hear that. But can I reveal something? 
if it's something you want to talk about and not show on the camera, then yes, please. Sure. So when I was waiting for you um, to oh, God. appear for the episode, <laughs> um, I decided, well, I've listened to Only a Fool would say that seven times. It's probably time to switch things up. So I went back to the beginning of Can't Buy a Thrill. Mm. And do it again, I I now like more than I did three weeks ago or whenever we recorded that episode. Well, I did think to ask, maybe have you re-evaluated any of your ratings? Yeah. Of the, of the, so you would now call, because uh, we say Royal Scam for a bad song or Royal Slam for a good song, would you now yeah. call Do It Again a Royal Slam? I would say, so I believe that, I mean, I haven't listened back to The Rushes for the first episode. I think I said that it was a scam with slammy bits. Yeah, I think you did, yeah. Yeah, slammy sprinklings. Whereas now I would say it's a, it's a slam with a kind of scam underbelly. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's progress. Great. Yeah, it, it's good. Uh, so I would say Do It Again is a slam with scammy sprinklings. Dirty Work has always been a slam. Kings is just a waste of everyone's time. Uh, Midnight Cruiser is sort of just objectionable cock rock only if i would say that an absolute peach great okay yeah i mean you've got a sweet tooth that's fine yeah but also that there are albums that i would say are pure slam that i've listened to multiple times where two out of five of the songs are slams you know what i mean so i'm saying two out of five of the songs on this album being slams is a good sign yeah great okay well um do you want to tell me about your vibe and yeah. for, new, for listeners who are just joining us at episode five, uh, when we talk about vibe, we're talking about a, a short summation of the song that kind of just, yeah, just sums up the vibe. Separate to kind of in-depth music chat or in-depth lyrics chats, we just want to get a kind of feel for the song. So mm. my vibe is New York struggles to come to terms with California's existence, which I guess uh, is more of a lyrical well, take. Yeah, and again, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I think it would it would be New York struggles to come to terms with John Lennon's vibe or outlook. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit, it could be seen as a bit of an imagined kickback. Yeah. I would say almost certainly. I think it is a diss track. Really? Yeah. Give me a vibe. Uh, I haven't written a vibe summation, but I will pluck one out of my gaping sphincter. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Becker and Fagan snuggle up in the hammock. They sway between two palm trees on the Sacramento coast. I don't ask. <laughs> where, where, where are you looking for geographically? LA. Okay. On the on the Santa Cruz coast. I thought you were going for somewhere like Brazilian. No, no, I was trying to think of somewhere in California. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I think what this, the vibe for me is a lovely warming earworm with snarky, cynical lyrics. I think you're, I I think you're saying that as if, as if you think, oh, the lyrics poisoned the well of the song. No, no, Um, no, I'm not saying that at all. I like, I like songs where they are ostensibly bouncy but have like a dark undercurrent because of the lyrics. Like my favourite band are the Smiths, probably. Really? Yeah. 
Arella. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I would say that only a fool would say that is like in the same zone of intention uh, as like heaven knows I'm miserable now. Yeah, but I think you're. Um, I think you're no on boss. You, you mentioned bossa nova, and I, I think that's. Um, I don't know if this if this is technically a bossa nova beat, but it certainly has that yeah. feel, doesn't it? Yeah. Of, yeah. of rapidly shifting harmonies and. Yeah. Not particularly, as you say, not particularly jazzy harmonies, but but they they move around a lot and they have that kind of breezy beachy feel. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Should we? Um, it seems like we're erring into its territory anyway. So should we? De- should we declare that we're now talking the music? Sure. Yeah. Great. Okay. So I will start off by picking up the point you made earlier mm. when I when I read Mr. S. Victor Aaron. Yeah. Um, his quote saying uh, j- uh, he thought this had jazzy overtones, and you said, "Well, no, it's not jazzy. I studied jazz guitar at school." Uh, I didn't mention that specifically. And this isn't jazzy. I, th- I think I think you probably did. I think you did. Because um, you, yeah, you you said you said when I learned jazz guitar at school, they didn't tell me <laughs> at school that sprinkling some sevens in there and moving shifting the bass note around does a jazz make. Um, but that's mostly what this does. So yeah, I would agree actually that it's this this is only jazz tinted with with the faintest coat of paint it, i mean it feel uh, a lot uh, some of the tricks in this feel like sort of beatles tricks yeah basically i mean that's as that's as that's as music theory as i get yeah well i think i said uh, earlier that that despite um fagan and becker trumpeting their jazz influences harmonically it does sound like a beatles tune like the beatles mm-hmm. did bosserish songs like um no reply, and yeah, it, and, and, it, and it's kind of like pop, it's like Buddy Holly chords, but with a Latin rhythm. Yeah, and I think I, I think it does have a kind of a surface level jazzy feel, but I th- I think that does come from the kind of Latin feel, yeah. Latin rhythm, yeah, um, and, and from and the also guitar, the kind of yeah. The, I was going to say like the tasteful soloing, yeah, that happens throughout, or tasteful lead, I should say, yeah, yeah. Um, that that happens throughout. It does kind of it does kind of like hint at jazz. It 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 kind of it nods at jazz at a party, and jazz doesn't nod back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort jazz gives it the cold shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I think talking of parties, I do think this is. Um, I do think this is one of the few dance songs you could grab a guitar at a party and and just play it and sing it, and it would sound good. We don't have many songs where like. A semi-competent solo guitarist could grab a guitar and do a faith, do a fairly decent rendition of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but th- this fits into this category. I, I mean, I'm not going to try and think of others now, but um, I can't, I can't think of a, I can't imagine there's many. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you'd like to do that. <laughs> what when I next go to a party? Say, <laughs> so, hey guys. Yeah, it's me from uh, Countdown to Exegesis. <laughs> here's a little, uh, here's a little Dan. It's a little, a little, a little slice Dan of Dan for you. Just, uh, just picked up the chords as I went along. Just uh... a world become one of salads and sun. <laughs> You're doing it in like a Billy Corgan voice. Yeah, I was sorry. imagining like, 
what do they call that uh you know that kind of like post Eddie Vedder like man voice? Or like a world become one of silence and sun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. almost exactly that. Yeah, um, I don't know what it's called. I call it, it het- cross- hetfielding. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a little bit more um it's a little bit kind of more uh frat house hippie, mm. I think, than Hetfield. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's uh, it's someone who yeah, auditioned for the Grateful Dead. It, well, it crosses over into that kind of um, pop idol, American Idol mm. style of where where you only pronounce vowels, you don't quite pronounce consonants. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the one I mean, and, I you, do. and you linger on, you linger on every vowel for a little bit too long. Yeah. Well, we can walk. Shadows and sun. <laughs> only a fool would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where is the tree? Where are the Away in While we're talking about <laughs> bad vocals, oh, I surprised um, myself with how accurate that was. Sorry, go no, on. No, it, it was very good. <laughs> uh, I was just worried you were going to go through the whole song. <laughs> It was basically it was basically illustrating the point that art is not about setting out. Uh, sorry, art is not about doing what you set out to do. So mm-hmm. if you're like, so the example was, if you set out to write a, a poem about two dogs fucking, and you wrote you write a poem about two dogs fucking, then all you've done is written a poem about two dogs fucking. Whereas the artist it, it is implied would push it in a, in a weird direction. And in writing about two dogs fucking would say something about, you know, the nature of lust or something, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. So I sent this to my friend Richard and he then replied saying, I would love to hear you write a song about two dogs fucking. So I wrote one and it promptly put it on Instagram. And my song yeah. included the line, big cock in a little ass. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> because in my head, I was being Randy Newman, right? And <laughs> it was a song. It was a song about a guy who's so like worn down by the mundanity of life that for him, like the the highlight of his week is that he sees a dog <laughs> having anal sex with another dog, <laughs> right? So I pop this on Instagram, and it's got a good melody. Though I say to myself, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the people who liked the video was my 14-year-old piano student. <laughs> oh, Mr. Suter. Yeah. Mr. Suter. I know, right? It's a safeguarding what issue. What are you doing? Well, he shouldn't know... He shouldn't have found my William William Rogers Instagram in the first place. How, how has he found no, that? Well, yeah, that's, that's a good question. But... Um, you put a song about two dogs fucking mm. with the with the line <laughs> big cock in a little ass on the internet two dogs you hold out a on the portion grass. of the you you hold a portion <laughs> of the blame here like let's be honest sure but not I, the 14 year old who happened to be i'm not bl- i'm not blaming who happened to be exposed to your look horrible debauchery yeah young a uh, piano student of mine, <clears throat> he did see it. He did like it. I guess he was excited to see an adult saying rude things. Yeah. Um, but it was very awkward because I then had to teach him uh, a Mozart 
grade one ABRSMPs, <laughs> looking at him knowing that he'd seen me sing the line Big Cock in a Little Ass, not once but twice. Damn! Andrew, mm. lyrics. What do you want to the know? Lyrics. The lyrics. The lyrics of the song. The lyrics, the lyrics, the lyrics, the words, the words, the words, the words. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as I understand it, the song is a jab, a put down of kind of fatuous idealism. So the opening lines of the song are A world become one of salads and sun. Only a fool would say that. So the strong meaning that's being conveyed here is that fantasising about some utopian future is thick. Um, And I wonder as well, I'm sure we'll get onto this in the fullness of time, but I wonder whether there is a, a subtext where Steely Dan here are attacking John Lennon for his song Imagine. Because the chorus of Imagine ends... Um, I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. And this song begins, a world become one, only a fool would say that. So it seems to be a, a, a lampoon of people positing a glorious future for mankind. I I think of the line... And there on the screen, a man with a dream. Yeah. And the idea of uh, of sitting in your... Uh, there's a there, there's a whole verse which basically or a bridge which talks about you know stand in the working man's shoes yeah. do his nine to five yeah. drag yourself home half alive and then on the screen is a man with a dream yeah. and think about how he feels do you think that do you think this whole song is 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 aimed at john lennon i don't know i th- i think it might have been springboarded by imagine just because the first you... line is a world become one does John Lennon did John Lennon ever wear a white Stetson hat? No, I don't think so. Although p- potentially mm. once in his short life. Um yeah. But I think that so the the lyric in the second half of verse 1 is a boy with a plan, a natural man wearing a white Stetson hat. Mm-hmm. And I assume that what they mean by that is that the the kind of pie-in-the-sky idealism which is being uh, pushed by John Lennon is equivalent to some dickhead in a film. You know, it's, it, it, oh, okay. it has the sort of vacuity of a Western film where there's a guy in a white Stetson hat posturing and, and so forth. Waving a gun around. Waving a gun around. And then it's like, Unhand that gun. Begone. There's no one to fire upon. Uh, so it seems to be saying, this is the future that's being posited by John Lennon, where there's no war, there's no strife. How thick mm. is that? And then and then we get later a, a verse which, whoever the, whoever the narrator is aiming at, mm. he says, Anybody on the street has murder in his eyes. Yeah. So is that uh, is is that the flip side of the first verse where we talk about 
well, go away, Mr. Cowboy. There's no one left to file upon now we live in this yeah. idyll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I take. And then he's going, well, actually, the reality is that um, anybody you look at could fucking kill you, you little twat. Yeah. And and the second verse seems to be implying that um, that that sort of highfalutin idealism is sort of disrespectful to the working man in some way. Because he talks about, like, uh, you know, the man on the street doesn't want to hear the bad news. He does his nine to five, he gets home, barely alive, and then there's this guy on the screen with his sort of high-flown ideas. It's kind of implying that any any attempt to visualise a utopia or a, a bright future is is sort of disrespectful to working people, which yeah, to me is is quite a sort of crass position <laughs> i mean that's but... not exactly how i take it and, okay and what we uh and what the what the line actually says is the man in the street dragging his feet don't want to hear the bad news imagine your face there at his place standing inside his brown shoes so what it's saying is like if you put if you experience the reality of poverty and working life yeah so it's it's kind of going it's kind of like a it's kind of like spend walk a mile in my shoes yeah kind of thing it's not necessarily saying hope hope is hope is not presentable to the working person um i've worked through side one of this album kind of interpreting the lyrics as being sort of baseline cynicism you know, so like, do it again is pointing at weak men and saying men are weak. Dirty work is pointing at weak men. Weak men. <laughs> yeah, same same thing. <laughs> Kings is pointing at powerful men and saying your shits. You know, it's it's all quite sort of uh, surface level. And to me, this song, although it is a fantastic song, lyrically, it it seems to me to kind of have the same imprint of yeah. Bill Hicksy cynicism because it's saying that trying to f- trying to formulate a vision of the future that is hopeful is like insensitive or it's crass. It's like it's like the message of the song is fatuous idealism is fatuous, and you want to say yeah that's true, but wouldn't it be a more interesting song if you tried to engage with why people are idealistic or how idealism rubs against the tide of shit that the world presents every day okay so i mean uh, i mean yeah i don't i don't disagree with all of that i think um i th- i i think this is an excellent lyric and i think this is i think this is one of the best lyrics on the album mm. um well there has to be a tallest I, dwarf because yeah <laughs> i do think it uh <laughs> I, I think it i i agree with your assessment of most of the lyrics on can't buy a thrill where uh, you know college poetry or whatever you want to call it i think this i think this kind of goes a bit deeper than that and i think it's i've been listening to because i'm at you know i i have the luxury of, of not being hemmed in by this podcast format and listening song by song and i know the steely dan back mm. catalog so it's kind of inspired me to go and listen to a bit more early dan and i've been listening kind of a few albums in mm. um and the the number of songs where they kind of stand up for the little man, at least at this stage. Uh, uh, later on, they get they kind of get a hard on for 
um, f- for the kind of washed up millionaire loser. But mm. at this stage, like there's a there's a few there's a few songs where you can point out like it's like they've arrived in LA and are like gobsmacked at the crassness of celebrity mm-hmm. or celebrity worship. And I think this I think this song, but clearly is so. I don't. Know, I mean, do you agree that this song could be a a popper? Imagine. Yes, right, I do. Okay, I, mean, okay. I hadn't considered that. But what I'm what I was going to say was that clearly, imagine is a song that resonates with people of all socioeconomic backgrounds. As in, mm-hmm. I don't think that the concern for the little man in this song seems to be you shouldn't have to listen to millionaires pontificating about world peace. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really see how Lennon's song is disrespectful or disconnected from the reality of the, the the little man well i wouldn't uh well my okay so my take on this is that it's it, it, there's a number of targets and a number of levels that you can look at this from right so first of all it seems to be in the tradition of a kind of of a kind of early 70s 60s hangover yeah. song so You'll see you'll see a, a few of these where it's it's almost like songwriters have woken up in the seventies with a headache mm-hmm. and and gone. What the fuck were we all thinking? What was that hippie shit like? Yeah, grow grow up. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's that's where I started approaching this song from. In doing a, a kind of close reading, um, <laughs> it's like this is in this is in the. This is in the grand scheme of of like kicking back against the sixties and going actually like now now we're in cold hard reality and this is how if how things work. Yeah. So then seeing it through that lens, you have you have this kind of like is it attacking the kind of this kind of straw man idealist, right? Like um this this kind of this kind of like hippie type, hippie Californian type, a world become one with salads and sun. Yeah. Um but who comes from a position of privilege. Like, because you get later on, you know... You feel no pain, and you're younger than you realise. You've never known pain, um, you've never, you've... And basically saying, like, effectively, like, often you need the safety net of privilege to be able to live the kind of lifestyle that allows one to live these ideals. Do you know what I mean? It's much more difficult to start, like walking around talking about free love and eating organic food and, you know, just meditating half the day when actually you've just got to fucking work and support a family. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, so that's but, kind uh, of... But free love and organic food are things that you've imported into the song. <laughs> <laughs> that aside, there is a... Um, there is There are lyrics that suggest that this is a person of privilege and it's and it's kind of going... You have to be, you have, you are, you know, if you had to experience the reality of some people, mm. you would not, you would not be in a place to, to make these kind of idyllic pronouncements and, and dreams and all the rest, yeah, right? Yeah, So my, my next yeah. thing is, okay, well, actually, if this, if this is not attacking a kind of straw man person, is this about kind of California and celebrity worship in general? Is it another example of East Coast, New York, Dan coming to coming to california and kind of going like oh fucking holy shit Mm. like what is going on here um 
and that's uh, again it's kind of salads and sun is is the kind of like trim healthy yeah, californian yeah. life uh, and and you know there's we've talked about the flip side to that and also this and also the kind of celebrity worship of california which is i guess where lennon fits into my reading of it is is like you know you you there are 99% of people in california who probably do have to drag themselves after a long day at work at least in yeah. the 70s or whatever like and 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 face this vision of success on the television that they're supposed to be seeing all around them every day mhm and because this because this person or this group of people that they're taking aim at are 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 in a privileged position, they are privileged enough. They have the privilege to be able to express these kind of things. I mean, I I agree with what you're saying about a fact about the world, as in like everything you're saying strikes me as true, but it seems like in the lyric, that's only in the bridge. It's in too. You feel no pain, and you're younger than you realize. Like everything else, it just seems to me to be pointing at somebody positing idealistic principles and saying, you're a twat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't just, I don't, nothing you're saying strikes me as disagreeable. It's just, I don't think it's writ large in the lyrics. Well, anybody on the street has murder in his eyes. You yeah. feel no pain. I mean, that's. But then, that's, but anybody, but that anybody suggests it, you've been protected, protected by the realities of quote unquote the street. Yeah. You know. But then, don't you think that? I mean, the lines "anybody in the street has murder in his eyes" seems like a sentimental vision of the street by somebody who is privileged. Well, okay. So then, I'd also like to ask: Who is this figure in a Stetson hat? Yeah. Is it the that, guy uh, that he's talking to? And I just want to pinpoint who exactly is the like who is the target because I I started reading it from a hippie point of view. But mm. then that then who's a dickhead in a Stetson hat waving a gun around? And you said, "Oh, you think that's a guy on you think that's a, 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 a you know, a western star or whatever, like the movie star." Yeah. Um, I thought it was equating idealism. It was like I, I took it to mean that idealism is foolish and it has a kind of Hollywood simplicity to it. You know, a kind of Hollywood good v evil attractive simplicity to it, which is which is uh can be pinned on uh your cowboy and his Stetson hat. But you don't but the, what suggests it's talking about the actual target of the song is that um is that he's he's constantly addressing this in a slightly condescending way to a young person? So he says, "A boy with a plan, a yeah. natural man." Like, of course you're so grown up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and later he says, "You know, you're younger than you're real than, than you realize. You're not as clever as you think you are." Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it it is the actual antagonist, if you like, yeah, the guy who walks around in a white stetson hat holding. Like pointing pointing a gun around. So so you're s saying that it's it's not kind of aimed at hippy dippy idealism. Well, it, what it's I mean is that it's is that actually yeah it it becomes quite it, it all becomes quite kind of vague. It's a bit nebulous. So yeah, you, you, it it comes in with this kind of like a world become one. You know, a world where all is free. Mm. Um, it's, it drops in these elements of like California life. And then it starts talking about some cowboy figure, 
mm-hmm. which it suggests is kind of the same young man that he's talking about in the rest of the song. And I'll just I'll just point out one more thing as well, which which I think is the sort of coup de grace of the whole th- of the whole piece, which is <laughs> right. You know, they say I heard it was you talking about a world where all is free. It just couldn't be. And only a fool would say that. So they put the and only a fool would say that right after it just couldn't be, right? So that that introduces a little bit of like ambiguity there. Is only a fool would say that the person who talks about a world where mm. all is free or oh, the person who says it just Keep couldn't talking. be? For me, this is why I think this is a, this is an excellent lyric because after all of these layers, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's about John Lennon or a cowboy wanker or whatever else, right? There's there's just that little bit of ambiguity in the chorus as to like, is it actually kind of self-effacing in this regard? Is it kind of going well? I I may sneer at you, but am I the fool? Mm, but grammatically, that's weird, isn't it? It's grammatically it, weird, but yeah. You, you could make. I heard it. If, I if heard you it wanted you, to avoid so... that ambiguity, you could you could change that around, right? Yeah, but that, yeah, I guess that implies a level of detail that we haven't heard in previous Steely Dan lyrics. But we will hear. <laughs> no, I believe you. Um, yeah, I mean that grammatically, You'll that ambiguity is a possibility. Is there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and also, the thing is, so I... I mean, if I think... all you have to do to make it grammatically correct in in terms of the self-effacing way is to put a comma, is to put a full stop after the word free. Yeah, but you can't I heard it was you, song, talking, you? About, talking about a world where all is free, full stop. It just couldn't be, and only a fool would say that. So who in the band is going to say full stop? Well, n- no, but, you know, that is... That is, <laughs> that is... I'm resisting this, and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think I, I think that I think there's I think there's room for ambiguity. I yeah. think I, I, and I think it was intentional. Mm. I think I think they're letting those um, clauses float around, and you're not quite sure which who's the fool. Yeah. Well, the thing that that that's intriguing me is because I kind of resented the bit about the man in the street. Imagine your face there in his place, standing inside his brown shoes. You do his nine to five, drag yourself home half alive, and there on the screen, a man with a dream. So it seems to be saying that these celebrities who are pushing utopian ideals, they're kind of completely disconnected from the lives of working people, which seems undeniable. But the song begins with something much more general. It doesn't seem to be just about Hollywood celebrities. It's more like, but it mentions like any mentions vision of like any vision of the good things. world. It mentions it mentions all sorts of things that that kind of that would kind of make it completely ambiguous what he's talking about. It could it, is it about a dude in a Stetson hat who eats salad, or is it about John Lennon, or is it about a celebrity in general, or is it about the narrator himself? Like, mm. but I would say that the the certainty of the tone suggests that the ambiguity is a failure rather than a success because it as a tune it as a lyric sorry it sounds very definite in its attack but you yourself as a fan of this lyric are saying i don't know exactly who the target is 
Yeah, but that, but you would, if you wanted a successful lyric that was successfully ambiguous, you would be a new, uh, you you would be definite in your attack. Like I, I'm struggling mm. not to mention the new man. Go on, bring him in. Oh, please welcome back, Mr. Randy Newman. Randy. When you're in the street, uh, Randy Newman, yeah, um, he is vociferously direct in his in his character songs and in his and in his takedowns, like to the point that it becomes par- parody. Mm, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, but but go on. Why are you? Well, my well, if you don't agree with it, then my whole my whole point is moot. But like, I was going to say, well, why would you afford that to Randy and not to? And not to Steely. Uh, I think that most Randy lyrics are under Lane with a clear message, mm-hmm. but that it it's not boring or sanctimonious because there's always an element of strangeness in Randy Newman. Um, and that is what is, for me, missing in this lyric, is that it, it seems unfocused, whereas Randy is always... Randy Newman, he always knows like who the target is in a tune, whereas here it feels like we can't even reach a rough agreement on who the target of this song is, and we're both kind of projecting our own beliefs about the relationship between idealism and the the working man. You know. Well, you could be right. Let's um, let's just agree to vaguely disagree because I don't think we're even disagree. No. no. In a in a, in a very profound way. His ham fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. The time has come to rate this song. I think we all know where we're gonna go with this. Mm-hmm. But I'll let you start, Andrew. Royal Scam or Royal Slam? This is a Stone Cold Copper Bottom Slam. Uh, this is the best Steely Dan song I've ever heard. Oh. Um, oh. Even better than Dirty Work. Oh, Matron. Ooh. Um, it is... It's, it's just melodically really satisfying. The words are kind of sharp and witty. And the guitar playing is lovely. And it just bespeaks, it betokeneth good vibes. You know, I would love to, when all this madness is over, Ollie. COVID-19. COVID-19. Just, just to place us in, in the world history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to just to um, contextualise, this is February 2021. We have a roadmap out of lockdown, but it could just be a sat-nav off the edge of a cliff. Um, but potentially things are looking up. And in, you know, June, we can go to the pub. What I would love is to go to a barbecue with, you know, four or five of my dear friends and listen to Only a Fool Would Say That by Steely Dan. Not as the main event, but just as a a feature (laughs) along the way. Uh, What do you think, Ollie? Of the song or of of that idea? Um, Firstly, the idea. Secondly, the song. (laughs) I think... um... Well, I, look, I, 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 I would, 
I know that like most of your friends dislike Steely Dan. Yeah, that's true. Um, because they're jazz snobs. But I think like if you, um... <laughs> but surely jazz snobs would love Steely Dan. Well, nah, well, you know, you'd think, but um, but you know, if you think this is an entry point to Steely Dan, and you can convert some um, pagans, then fucking mm. yes, I'm 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 delighted. Some pagans, some yeah, from pagan to pagan. In terms of my opinion of the song, uh, absolute royal slam. It is absolutely like one of the best songs on this album. Probably the best song on this album. It's an absolute like stonker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has a cousin. If we can just look at look into the eyeglass of future Dan for a second, Deacon Blues. It has a cousin in Barrytown. Is what first springs to mind uh, from uh, Pretzel Logic and also Rose Darling and me and sort of Doctor Wu from Katie Lloyd. <laughs> There's a few songs in Doctor Wu. Doctor Wu from Katie Lloyd. There's a few. Okay. There's a few songs which. There's a few kind of songs like this which follow this kind of breezy, harmonically um, high tempo kind of kind of format. Um, but this is the first one we've seen, and it's absolutely one of the best of that ilk. Um, mm. Stone Cold Slamo. <laughs> so, were I to pitch this podcast to a a podcast production company, oh. or let's say to a a possible sponsor like Purity Brewery in Alpha Church. Mm-hmm. I would describe the podcast thus. I would say, Ollie is a lovable enthusiast. This is where the quote begins. Ollie is a lovable enthusiast with a depth of knowledge and lightness of touch to make Charles Hazelwood's <laughs> climax. <laughs> <sighs> Andrew is someone who wants to like Steely Dan. He wants to enjoy his life. But he is dragged down by his suspicious character. <laughs> so that was my uh, that was my sort of um, handy summation of the uh, of the podcast that I was going mean, to crowbar in. Like, it sounds like more like you're pitching like a a dramedy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along Steely Dan podventure. If you'd like to follow us on the old sock meds, you can do so on Instagram and Facebook at Countdown to Exegesis, or on Twitter at ExegesisPod. And uh, just to be frank and candid, it's me, Andrew, who is uh, captaining the social media accounts, I'm the one churning out Steely Dan memes without fully understanding what the joke is. Great, and we should also mention that we have a old-fashioned email account at countdowntoexegesis at gmail.com in case anyone wants to get in touch with any longer-form queries or suggestions. And we can also be followed individually, myself via my band, The Nature Centre, which is The Nature Centre on everywhere except Instagram, which is The Nature Centre Band, and that's The Nature Centre spelt in the Commonwealth fashion. How about you, Andrew? You can follow me on one of two avenues. Uh, one is my band Obman's Box, which is spelled O-D-M-A-N-S-B-O-X. 
or you can follow me in my solo guise as William William Rogers. Uh, that's Rogers with a D, so R O D G E R S. And that's on all the usual sock meds. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, give us a review, thumbs up, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. Cheers. <laughs>